Peace and blessings and welcome back to another episode of the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. This episode is brought to you by HeritageHipHop.com, the 30 for 30 for independent music and independent artists. We believe that hip hop is God's heritage and since we are God's people, then his heritage is hip hop. And on today's special podcast, we have a pioneer of not only West Coast hip hop, but everything people signify as hip-hop when it comes to popular culture music culture and even the beginning of urban music depicting reality in its harshest sense to the world that didn't want to hear their voices we talked to dj yella of nwa on this episode of the heritage hip-hop podcast but before we do Make sure you hit the like, subscribe, notification bell on YouTube. And if you're streaming this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor FM, please leave a five-star rating on the podcast and let everybody know that Heritage Hip Hop is the place to be when you want a real interview with depth, integrity, and the richness of who we are as a people and our culture. So without further ado... Let's get to the interview, and I'll come back with the rest of my commentary when it's finished. Peace and blessings, and welcome back to the Heritage Hip Hop Podcast. We are the 30 for 30 for independent music and independent artists, and today we pay homage to somebody who not only laid the road down that most of your favorite rappers follow, but he's a godfather of influence that has, in, that has infiltrated American culture, be it music, video games, clothing, attitude and the fighting for your rights movement out of the inner city a person who's taken his career from humble beginnings to worldwide global fame please introduce yourself to the people yo what's up this is dj yeller coming straight out of compton <laughs> <laughs> all right yo well, well, before we get started i always like to tell you your influence in, in, in people's lives is mm -hmm. so prevalent that we see that influence today with, with the with the with the re with the re-release of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Mm -hmm. Which is oh, amazing. Really? I mean, let's talk about it from the beginning. Everybody knows the name DJ Yellow from NWA. You know what I'm saying? Niggas with attitudes, right? And we're gonna yeah, talk yeah. about that, but let's talk about the man himself first and then let's lead into certain things, all right? Oh, okay. All right. What when did music first enter your heart and made you want to pursue it? Um, wow. I mean, it never I guess it was in me already because mm -hmm. one day when I was in junior high, elementary or something, my brother used to have a band in the garage and one day I went outside and just got on the drums and start playing the drums. Mm -hmm. Never been on the drum set, no learning, no teaching, nothing. And that just, I guess that was just a, a, a seed planted. But I never really thought about music at all until I got out of high school and I just pursued uh, being a DJ in a club. Okay. And that's all I was thinking about. I wasn't thinking about music. That wasn't even a thought. This would be at the very beginning of the World Class Trekking Crew. This was maybe two to three years before Dre even came around. So music oh, wasn't man. even there yet. All right, yeah, we're going too fast. I don't even want to talk about Dre yet. I just want to focus <laughs> on you, all right? Mm -hmm. Because tell everybody where you're from. I'm from Compton, you know, really from Compton. I, I went to Compton High, 
Mm-hmm. All my elementary, junior high was in Compton. So I was mm-hmm. the only one from the group that went to Compton High. Okay. I think one, Dre went to Centennial maybe, Ren went to Dominguez, and I think E went to Dominguez. And we already know Cube is from L.A., so. Yeah. yeah, I was the only one that went to Compton High. I was in the band. I was a drum major in the 12th grade, so I was just just me, just a regular old person. And, and I mean, when, you, when we look at how hip-hop is situated in history from birth, it's always an East Coast story. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So from the West, and this is what interests me, because I, really, I haven't gone to California yet, and I really want to mm-hmm. go, and I actually want to go and study the hip hop yeah, history yeah. of California. Mm-hmm. Cal- the, the the introduction to California hip hop to us for people who were younger uh, and coming mm-hmm. up in the eighties into the nineties was breaking. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shabadoo and all of them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so it was very bounce heavy, funk heavy. It was mm-hmm. very um, it was very um, let's just say it was it was more happier sound. It was more of a bouncy oh, yeah. sound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it was uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of electronic sound, too. Yeah, like Zach and Roger, right? Yeah, Computer yeah, love type. Okay. Yeah. But, see, that goes back into the history of how people of color traveled through this country because in the East, it was always mm-hmm. rock sound. In the, in, yeah. in the oh, okay. South, it was always bluesy and jazz sounded. Mm-hmm. What was the roots of music as you heard them growing up, even to when you started to drum, playing the drums? What was the roots of music that you heard back then that you 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 just seen that was cultural around Compton at that time? Um, it was fu- definitely funk, definitely mm-hmm. 70s funk for me. It was definitely 70s funk. But back in them days, radio station there wasn't really separate radio stations. Mm-hmm. They played you know rock, they played R and B. They played funk, you know, all on the same station. So that's mm-hmm. how I got accustomed to everything from the, you know, from the Rolling Stones to all kind of people, you know, another brick in the wall, you know, all, you know, all kind of, I'm, I could, I, I've heard all that kind of music before, but then funk was really George Clinton and Bootsies and Rick James. All that was in my era right there. Okay. Because when you talked about playing the drums, the mm-hmm. drum the drum is one of the most basic archetypes of human life when it comes to music. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, the drum is the heart of the beat, and your heart is the drum to the rhythm of life. Because yeah. when your heart stops beating, that's it. <laughs> you know oh, what I'm yeah, saying? And, and, with a beat, and with a beat, when you take out the drums, like some people have done today, there's a, a soulless. The music doesn't have that soul to it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you, you it's talk- a different style today. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. a different style. it's still hip hop, of course. It just it just changed, you know. Just like in in the early eighties, early ninety, you know, it was different style. And uh, you know, just like well, I like back then in the old, you know, I say eighties, nineties, because back then you hear music, you hear a song, a piece of a song, you know where that song came from, right. what camp, what group. It was. Everything was separate. Nobody sounded the same back there. Nobody. Right. Everybody was different. And I guess that's what made that the golden era of hip-hop was in them 80s, early 90s, definitely. Because it was new. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
See, see the thing, the thing about newness is, I, I heard a rapper say you can only be the new guy once. Mm-hmm. And in many, in many, in many places, that's true. Because after that first initial introduction, yeah. it's a wrap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And oh, when yeah. something, yeah. and when when something first introduces itself to you, it's like tasting your favorite thing for the first time every time you get a sample. Yeah. You know, and and going back to you and the drums, you kicking flavor on the drums. You hitting those beat, them beats per minute, mm-hmm. and you're also hitting the basses and everything. I guess at that time, your ear started to be born in rhythm and, and, and placement. Am I right? It, it, I, you know, I never thought about it, but, yeah, because I used to sit and just, because my, my room was right next to the garage, and I could hear my brother band practicing all the time, and I just could pick up the sound, the beat. You know, I just, it's just like it was in me already because mm-hmm. my two older brothers played drums, played percussions. And I just naturally played, just naturally played. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, playing like like some people play keyboard by ear. They hear something, they can play it. Yeah, Drums, I, I hear something, I can play it. It, it. it became that simple. Yeah, you're a superhero. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that stuff that's not, like, like, in my, like, like I said, for me in my life, my parents mm-hmm. didn't play music in the house. So I didn't, I didn't grow up around instruments and stuff. So to hear this stuff is, like, amazing to me because, for me, people who did music were my superheroes. You're my Batmans oh. and Supermans oh, and Spider-Man. Because okay. music for me is special. Because I could never play it, I have a certain yeah. affinity for people who can. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. so, so, so let me ask you this question musically mm-hmm. when it comes to you and your heart. All right? Mm-hmm. As you were playing the drums before you got to the Wrecking Crew in high school, and you were in high school and you were moving towards that, what was your favorite song, and how did it help? Uh, how did it help create your personality in music? Um, ooh, I mean, I liked all the George Clinton, all okay. the George Clinton. I mean, I liked the funk. I just, especially the live album when they did the P Funk tour, the live album. I liked that, and I used to sometimes, you know listen to it and play along with it and stuff like that and it just I'm like wow I like that I like um, well back then the drums were more simple mm-hmm. when you do studio drums you know you play simple you don't go all crazy and try to do solos all the time so mm-hmm. I was more like a uh, um, a studio drummer studio drummers play straight they play on time and you know whatever it is but you know I, I wasn't a soloist even though I could but just the rhythm. I keep, you know, just keep that beat, the timing. That's the mm-hmm. key to drumming is the timing. Can you keep the time? And it's, it's wild. I never really thought about this, but wow, that's crazy. <laughs> hey, like I said, you, yeah, you, you were part of my superhero Justice League Avenger group. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm going to give you your flowers and appreciate the man that you are and were. So I can mm-hmm. show you, because when I first got to talk to you, you said you were surprised the East Coast felt for you, let y'all feel oh, yeah, the way okay. you did. So oh, we're going to touch on all that, but I got to give you your flowers and let's just, just say thank you to you for being what, who you are and what you've done to help elevate music in the minds and in the execution of black expression. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Man. I, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I mean, I'm just Pleasure. really honored. 
Hey, man, it's a pleasure. We're going to keep this going because we have so much to cover, and I don't know how much time I got, but I want to I wanna, I wanna, um, touch on some major facts and appreciations. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people don't know who the world-class wrecking crew is. Yeah. They just know NWA. Yeah. Please tell people who are the world-class wrecking crew and what is the world-class wrecking crew when it comes to, when it comes to the history of creating music. I, I, would, I would consider the wrecking crew, well, it was called the wrecking crew before we did music. And the wrecking okay. crew was a DJ crew. Mm-hmm. But the wrecking crew, which was uh, started by Alonzo, happened to have a club. So we got to DJ every Friday and Saturday, sometimes mm-hmm. Sunday when it's a holiday on Monday. So we were just a DJ crew, just like the beginning of in the East Coast. Whoever mm-hmm. was the first crew, we was like that. You know, just like groundbreaking, even though we wasn't trying to break any ground. Mm-hmm. We were just a, a, a crew, a, a regular DJ crew, but we happened to have a base, which was our club called Eve After Dark. And mm. I DJed in there a couple of years. This ain't even this before Dre. This is mm-hmm. way before Dre. But it, it was that's what it was. It was the DJ crew, the wrecking crew. And then when we started to do music, that's when Lonzo changed the name to the World Class Wrecking Crew. Okay. See, in the eighties and then late seventies mm-hmm. into the eighties, crews were very big. That's when everybody had the yeah. same jackets with the names yeah, on it yeah, yeah, or the yeah, same yeah, jackets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? My brother uh, used to rap, and he had always had a crew, and he used to have black and gold jackets or something. Okay. And, and that's how the crews represented themselves that, yeah. you know, like, like like the Masons. They had to have their name of their crew in the, in the, in the yeah. back, like, you know. Yeah, because we had purple and gold jackets, so. <laughs> oh, y'all were the Lakers. All right, I got you. <laughs> I got it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, when you, and when you have those crews, let me just tell you, let me just tell you the appreciation of that. Before mm-hmm. hip hop became hip hop, everybody had a barbershop quartet. Or everybody mm-hmm. had a crew that would sing. So you had people yeah. on the yeah. corner. You had always was community when there was yeah. music. Yeah. So the wrecking crew and then the world class record crew mm-hmm. was the extension of that harmony in black community to make expression. Yeah. That's a oh, God yeah. type thing that people sleep oh, yeah. on when it comes to music. Oh what yeah. Do you think? Oh yeah. I, I mean because think about it, what no wasn't no Facebook, all this internet, all this social media. Wasn't that? You had to do everything from scratch, whatever mm-hmm. it was, hanging posters. I used to snatch down other crews' posters and all kind of <laughs> stuff. So, you know, we was just like a, a, a New York. When New York started, they started in the late 70s. We started in the early 80s, 82, somewhere around 81, 82 when I started. Mm. So the record crew was a a crew of DJs that would come and wreck a party. They would they would just make the party better. Well, we just had it. We was blessed because we had a club every week. So we we didn't own it, but Lonzo rented the club, so we didn't have to go do parties. Only did very many mobile parties, very few. Mm -hmm. I was more in the club every week, every weekend. We had a DJ booth behind glass and all that, so it was it was like wow, you know, we were kind of ahead of the game on the West Coast. Oh, so the other DJs they had to do parties whenever they could do it. Us every week we doing them. Let's give the people who 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 are listening to this 
some real, real hip-hop culture. Mm-hmm. There are different styles of DJs. What style were yeah, you, yeah. and how were you different from the other ones in your crew? Um, well, we, back then, DJs talked on the microphone. Mm-hmm. You had to rock the party. That means you had to talk to the people, make them get into the songs and all that. DJs is the is the life of the party. If the DJ is whack, the party is going to be whack. So right. we ha- we know it's about all. The, it's a really because this was before scratching. Mm-hmm. This was before scratching, and it was about how you program your songs. Mm-hmm. You know, you got just say me. I had a two hour set from twelve to two. I had the prime time set, and I had to program my songs just right. You know, the right hits, the right cuts, not too many. B sides, all A sides in my hmm. prime time. So it, it, back then, DJs had to talk and they had to rock the party. That's what it was. I guess it would be more like a rapper, but mm-hmm. I was just a DJ, you know, talking on the microphone. I didn't rap, so DJing was my rapping back then. I love that. I love because one thing about DJs that people are now starting to realize mm-hmm. a DJ. You have all these celebrities who call themselves DJs, and they're not. They're yeah. playlist artists. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and everybody wants to be a DJ, but that's not yeah. what a DJ is. I mean, DJ stands yeah. for disc jockey, of course. Yeah. But a yeah. DJ was the lifeline for the oh, party wow. because he had the MC had to kiss up to the DJ to get on the yeah. mic when he was spinning. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, you, know, you know what I mean? I guess oh. I was more like an MC in the DJ altogether. Talk about it. Because, you know, that's that's what you had to do. You had to talk on that microphone. You had to. So, you mm-hmm. know, you had to get your voice just right, make sure it sounds sexy for the girls. You know, that's just the way it was. DJ was, I felt more like a star when I was in the wrecking crew DJing. Mm. It was like a local hit. You know, you, just, you know, it was it was fun. Like every weekend, every weekend a gig, every weekend a gig, you know, it was great. You ain't got to go. Due to you ain't got to lift no equipment. Is already we we was blessed. The equipment stayed in the in the place we rented that Lonzo was renting. So we was good. We had lights. We had everything going. So mm. we we was kind of ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's what most people don't have nowadays, especially yeah. during COVID. Is that when you lose the when you lose the the spirit of the room, mm-hmm. and it's all mechanical. All you get mm-hmm. is the all you get is the play factor. You don't get the yeah. wow. You don't you don't have the sweat. You don't have the bodies. Yeah. You don't have a lot of that spirit that jumps in the room from ovation and joy. You know. Yeah. Oh. A yeah. computer can I never mean, give you joy. Oh yeah. I mean because our our club was upstairs and the floor used to move up and down. Would be so many people rocking so hard and it'd be because there was no air conditioning there, so it was wet. <laughs> <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was man, it, it it was it was the thing back then. Let me ask you this, because mm-hmm. Dr. Dre, salute to Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre came and joined your crew. Mm-hmm. Now, being that you were already there, what did he bring that the crew didn't have? Um, because when Dre came. Scratching, I had already seen Scratching when Curtis Blow came to the club mm-hmm. at, at our club for the first time. 
and Davey D was his DJ, and I seen the scratching from him and learned it right then. So okay. scratching was already there. So Dre brought the the new DJ, the young DJ at the time. You know, the young DJs are a little quicker scratching yeah. stuff. So he brought the newness, like a rookie but not a rookie. Right. Because he had some he had some skills. We never. That's how we met. Our, 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 when we met, I was DJing, and somebody brought him to the club, wanted to battle me. And I'm Whoa. looking at this little skinny kid. I'm like, do he know who I be? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was all in fun. We never battled, but we clicked. We came like brothers ever, you know, since that day. But he was the, he was the new kid on the block, the young, fast whippersnapper, as they would say in the old days. Yeah. So he, he brought the little quickness. Witty. Dre was the new blood. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. New blood. New blood always gets the body to percolate a little better. It yeah. makes the joints a little easier. It, it makes it makes it makes you able to run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. When Dre came, that's when y'all put out y'all record. No, we actually DJ still. Oh, I would say another year. Maybe, okay. At least. Okay. Up about two years, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we music came. Me and Dre was already clicked together. We was already good. And Run DMC came to LA for the first time. Sucker okay. MC. And yep. we sat next to the little stage. They did their little ten minute show. Threw the mic down and folded their hands. And we looked at each other like, "That's it. That's all it takes to make a song and perform it." So since that day. Is where we started doing music. Our East Coast influence. That's what happened. I mean, we seen it live, and boom, we started it. Hmm. Okay. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Part of what the East Coast had for itself in the eighties mm-hmm. was competition and bravado. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you know those stories. Maybe you do. Because you could teach me a hell of a lot. You know, um, mm-hmm. we all know about Russell Simmons and why he did not sign his brother. All right. So we know about Curtis Blow. We know about the Fat Boys. We know about Run DMC. If you know Crush Groove, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the East Coast was more bravado. This is who I am. This is what I do. That's why they oh, would okay. slam the mic and fold their arms. And the Fat yeah, Boys yeah. were the oh, fun okay. guys. And then Curtis Blow was for the ladies. So when you had an East Coast show... You had the street, you had the comedy, and you had the love to it. And then, like you said, Youngblood, LL Cool J was the new guy who made everybody oh, step their shit up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the West, when you seen the bravado and you start seeing that come about, mm-hmm. how did you infuse that but keep the funk as the element of how you became the artist you wanted to be? I, I guess it just because... We looked at it from a different angle, from the West. They looked at it from the East. We looked at right. it just more different. So we, the record crew was more electronic, soul sonic force kind of music. Okay. The one, the 128 BPMs and stuff like that. So we started that way. But the hit for the record crew was the slow songs, like right. the old song floaters. Mm-hmm. The music is funky and they talking. They not rapping. But we talked. We wasn't rapping. So we talked. The, we made a couple of slow songs, and them was our biggest 
radio hits was the slow song. Mm. Which was crazy, but that's what it was. <laughs> that's interesting to me because when you think about DJs and DJing, you have the mm-hmm. radio DJ and you have the performance DJ. Yeah. Like, if I think about a radio DJ, I think about Jeff Fox. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rest in peace mm-hmm. to Jeff Fox. You think about people who would get on the radio and they would introduce the record and then the DJ on the record set the tone of sound while the introduction yeah. was there. You mean to tell me the wrecking crew had both in their act? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Because we was DJs. That's I mean, we can go deeper than that. We were yeah, DJs. Mm-hmm. So when we was doing the NWA, Straight Outta Compton, mm-hmm. in between the songs was like commercial breaks. Nobody did that. But we did that, it as DJs to keep the music going, keep it just like like we mixing a record. That's how the songs was edited together. They got the commercials, the little breaks, the little, little skits in between the songs. Nobody else was doing that. But mm. we made albums like we didn't want records just to fade in and the next song fade out we wanted to to blend together and the way you blend it is put skip in between the songs so we, that's we started that like djs mm-hmm. that's <laughs> even genius. our first song think about our first songs was like djs mixing in the breaks after the like boys in the hood you're doing scratching and all this stuff a True. bunch of songs was a lot of them, Gangsta Gangsta, a lot of them songs was like mixing inside the breaks after the rap, after the rap part. But we was DJs. That's why we, how we learned how to record, how to mix, all that stuff. We had to learn that. I'm glad you touched on that because I do want to, let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about how y'all got there because mm-hmm. the most, all right, check this out. This is my personal opinion. Tell me what you think. The first mixtape album or mixtape style album I ever heard that changed music to me was Marvin Gaye, The Ecology. Do you agree? Like, does that? Do you feel that? Um, could be. Yeah, could could be. Now, That's the first album I heard where the songs kind of went into each other, oh, and it was okay. like a one flow. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's we didn't get it from that, but that was our concept, definitely. Okay. Just like a mixtape. Because in the Wrecking Crew days, mm-hmm. before Drake was even around, I made, I used to make boot mixtape 12 inches, one side. Only mm-hmm. one side played. Mm-hmm. They used to press them. They used to be about 10 minutes long. Mm. They was bootlegs, but they was mixes. That was real, like, mixtapes, not somebody hosting and, and having guest artists. No, it wasn't no artist. It was mixing of like DJing on on a, on a cassette tape. Right. Yeah. So it was mixing. And when we got to making songs, we kind of just like, man, it's just like a DJ. So it won't be no interruption. Just, it just flows to the next song, to the next song. A little skit here, a little skit there. That's dope. See, I miss those days because. Yeah. When you got a tape back in the day, it was like you got gold or treasure because, you know, nobody else in your school had it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you had something brand new. And when you had something brand new and people could bop to it, it was like yeah. you was like the man until somebody else got the new one. <laughs> you know what oh, yeah. And I love that. Oh, yeah. 
let's 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 fast forward a little bit because the Rick mm-hmm. and crew everybody's watched the straight out of Compton movie. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. But I really want to go to the real and not focus on the script. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How did you yeah. meet Easy E? And how did the wrecking crew kind of mix with Easy to go and y'all went to you to to that his his lane? Well, we was getting towards the end of the wrecking crew. We wasn't mm-hmm. making any money in the wrecking crew. Okay. Not off the of music. We only made money from live shows. We mm-hmm. did quite a few live shows as a wrecking crew, more mostly in in the South and Texas and stuff like that, California. But so we wasn't really make we well we weren't making no money. And mm-hmm. Dre knew E from an old neighborhood or something, and he convinced him to rap because he wasn't no rapper, you know, never was. Mm-hmm. He convinced him to rap on the first song because he tried to. They tried to make the song for a crew, some kind of crew from New York, mm-hmm. and they didn't like the style of the words because it mm-hmm. was a West Coast word, but they was East Coast people. Mm-hmm. So that's how E ended up doing the song. But E had the sound. Then mm-hmm. he had the look. And then at that time, Q was writing his words, so then he had the words, the lyrics. So it's just like all... Got smashed in together and came out perfect. It's like you know, you, you couldn't plan it no better. But you know, I want to ask you this because everybody focuses on straight out of Compton. I want to mm-hmm. talk about NWA and the Posse first because mm-hmm. that gets lost in history. Yeah. What was that? What, what, well, what? that was just a compilation. Uh huh. What happened? That compilation compilation was made early. Right. After Boys in the Hood and stuff. It was on McCola Records. It was just different people with different songs on it. That's that's all over. It wasn't the NWA at all. Right. That was not it. When we got the priority, Straight Outta Compton came out, Easy Does It came out, priority needed another record to put out. So somehow they got that from McCola and made it NWA and the Posse. The same, it was the same, you know, songs that was made. It was just a compilation, and it, you know, went gold because they stamped us on it. Matter of fact, I wasn't even on that picture. That was the only picture I missed because I was sick that day. Mm. But that was just a compilation. That's all it was. Feel a fresh crew. The DOC was in the that crew. Feel a fresh crew. Yeah. And it is a rendezvous. It was a, a few people, you know, it was just a bunch of single songs put on there. That's what it was. That's the one with Compton's in the House was first on? No. Compton in the House was on a single. On a, okay. um, one of the singles, Ruthless Villain, somebody's single. I remember Compton in the House was on a, a single first. Right. Because straight out of Compton album, quite a few of them songs, we pulled off a single. Really? It was already out. Yeah. Straight Outta Compton was new. The police song was new. Um, the grand, I mean, uh, the last song, Parental Discretion and Vibe, which I played the drums on, that was new. There was only about five, six new songs on it. That's a classic, by the way. Yeah. Bunch of them was old. Like okay. Compton in the House, that was a remix that we put on there. You know, um, I think, no, A-Ball might have been on E's album. The Panic Zone, that came off a single. 
Panic we zone. Just put wow. That on there for Arabians. Arabian Prince. Right. Right. Yeah. But that song was made before that album. Damn. Just like and, the and, album cover. That sound too. People on the. There's six people on the cover. Mm-hmm. At that time, Arabian was around. That's when Panic Zone and stuff. But them pictures was taken kind of early. Okay. And that was not an album cover picture. The guy just laid on the ground, took a few shots. He didn't take very many shots, not even ten shots. Mm-hmm. And then later on, somebody picked it as an album cover. But that's how, because Arabian, when we started doing the actual Straight Outta Compton album, Arabian wasn't even around. He went back to being a solo artist. Okay. But we put Panic Zone on there. Well, I wish we didn't put it on there, but we end up pulling it <laughs> and putting it on there. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Back in the, I'm, in, I'm from New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. NWA was one of those albums that we were told not to listen to because NWA was mm-hmm. white. You, you can't, you kids, you can't listen to this, right? <laughs> uh, I was, I was told not to listen to Public Enemy. But my brother was a public enemy head. I was told not to listen to um, N.W.A. and I was told not to listen to the Ghetto Boys. Oh, y'all, were, y'all were off the market, right? <laughs> and I remember I was getting my own money doing chores, and I was sneaking by tapes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I remember going to Union Market. Everybody from New Jersey know about Union Market. Salute, R.I.P. to Union Market. It was the best market we had, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing N.W.A. and the Posse. Really. I wow. broke my pockets. I only had like I think it cost like ten dollars and fifty three cent with the tax. Mm-hmm. I had ten dollars. I scoured the whole thing for change to pay for it, and the guy luckily gave it to me just for ten dollars. Right? Wow. That's the first time I heard Eight Ball. I think it was on there. I heard yeah. Fat yeah. Girl on My Jock. I heard yeah. that. I heard yeah. a Bitches a Bitch. That was on there. <laughs> Panic Zone. I was like, Yo, what the hell is this? Like, I was like, Yo. <laughs> This is crazy. And like, I'm telling you, I took it to school. Mm-hmm. And people were like, yo, what is this? And it was, it was I was totally the only person who had it. Totally huh? different from the East. The mu- it, it was totally different from the East Coast. Oh, yeah, definitely. Totally Vulgarity. Different. Very vulgar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very vulgar. That parental advisory sticker was a badge of honor. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, and I mean, that was the first time as a kid, people wanted me to dub something for them that they didn't wow. have. Wow. I passed that. I had to pass that album around at least twelve times. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and for me, like I said, I didn't hear straight out of Compton first. Yeah, oh, I heard, wow. I heard a song, and I heard about Easy E, but that mm-hmm. was the first thing I seen because Easy Does It wasn't in the store. There was no straight out of Compton, but it was N.W.A. and the Posse. Wow. And I'm That's talking about, if you're talking about 86, that came out in 86, right? Yeah, somewhere right around there, yeah. I was like, at 86, I was like seven years old. I wonder old. if you got the original or did you get it when Priority put it out? I don't know. Now, I got I the one with the, I got the red cover. Is it a different color cover? No, they both was red. Okay. No, 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 no. Priority wasn't red. Priority was uh, silver because they're red printer. They couldn't print red too well. Wow. Something I remember. So it had to go silver on the label. No, I got the red one. You had the original. I had the red one, yes. <laughs> I had the red cover, yes. Wow. And and, and like I said, when I went to school, mm-hmm. Ralph McDaniel, salute to the OG Ralph McDaniels. I would love to meet him and tell him thank you because he's my hip-hop hero. 
Mm-hmm. Ralph McDaniels played straight out of Compton the video. And the first mm-hmm. time I saw that, you got to remember, that was the first time we saw people in the hood walking hard and videos with fire on their sneakers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, what the hell is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I lost my mind. Like, like for me, wow. hip-hop for me it is different because I remember certain instances. Like, the first time I heard Protect Your Neck, my life changed. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard How About Some Hardcore, my life changed. When I saw Straight Outta Compton, the video... <laughs> And the first thing I heard was try out a cop and crazy motherfucking name Ice Cube from the gang called Niggas with Attitudes. I was like, what the fuck is Niggas with Attitudes and what is this? That's when, that's when we found out that in my in my age group, who who really who really really didn't know, that's when we found out that there's people like us in other parts of the country, and they're telling a story that's so similar to us. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question, though. What made the introduction of NWA important to black to the black identity in America? Uh, I guess I put it like this, just like the East Coast. Whatever they rapped about is what they seen in New York. Mm-hmm. We rapped about, we opened our front door, we rapped about what we seen, our streets. Even mm-hmm. though there's ghettos all around the world. But mm-hmm. Compton was just Compton, and that's what we rapped about. And for some reason, people can relate to it, especially the language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people weren't yeah. cussing on records back then. Facts. They weren't. <laughs> Maybe a Everything was clean. or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a fact. Oh, yeah. Well, well, how about this? NWA is, a, is, is, like I said, they're like one of the first superhero groups in hip-hop because – you had Run DMC who represented the streets. Mm-hmm. You had Cold Crush Brothers and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, and they had like mm-hmm. the spikes on. They looked like wrestlers, right? Yeah. And then Hebrew Israelites and all that, right? Yeah. And NWA would look like the kids that were coming out the hood under Run DMC. <laughs> so, so the starter jackets, the Raider caps, like, yeah. like if it wasn't for NWA, I wouldn't have known about the Raiders, and I would never have known about my second favorite. Or one B favorite back, a football player of all time, Bo Jackson. Salute the off of that, <laughs> right? But what did each member of NWA bring to the table that made NWA so strong, in your opinion? I think it's just that's what it was. It wasn't individual. It was just together. Mm-hmm. That's what made the group. That's what made that little era was the all together, not a single person. Mm-hmm. Even though the group had to break up for all the the people to get there, like Drake, you, all that, but it was the five of us together that made NWA. It wasn't just Dre of NWA. It wasn't just Cube E or none of that. Even though E was the face person, you know, the face of NWA, but it was just all of us together. That's what made mm-hmm. it so unique. And different. We all didn't grow up together, mm-hmm. but it just when we came together, it just it made some history that we never knew would make history. Never, we never even thought about. We never even thought about gold records, none of that kind of stuff, at all. Mm. We just made the music, 
the way we wanted to do it, the lyrics the way we wanted to do it. And if they like it, great. If they don't, still great. Because we didn't make songs for the radio. Not at all. Mm. We, we end up making radio versions of the songs, like Boys in the Hood and all this stuff. Straight Outta Compton had radio versions, but we didn't make them for the radio. And we didn't have no radio play back then. None. Zero. Rare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for everybody that's listening, this is Karev, the Heritage Hip Hop, sitting with legendary icon DJ Yella of NWA. Make sure you take out a pen and a pad and take some notes because we're about to get into the NWA story and, and, and then move on. Um. Okay, so... All right, so I'm a little lost because I have so much to ask you, my God. Um, <laughs> Easy e was one of the first hood archetypes in mm-hmm. hip-hop. Like, I don't think Snoop Dogg could be what he is today without Easy e coming first. I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, bro, you think about this. It goes back mm-hmm. to the Wrecking Crew. It was me and Dre. Okay. We started... Our own, you know, we started our sound from the wrecking group. Mm-hmm. Then it led into that, but it started there. And if you want to get technical, you can go back before Dre came. I was there. You okay. Know, trying to do this, trying to make mixes for big radio, you know, record companies, Motown, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. DJing like that. And, you know, so it was just, I say the egg started with me and Dre. Okay. And look what came after that egg cracked. NWA, Easy, Cube, Ran. Not including JJ Fowl was our first gold single, first gold album. Supersonic. Before any of our stuff was gold. There's <laughs> so much came from that and then not even branch off into the Eminem, the 50 Cents, the Snoops, the Warren G, the It's so much came from that. And it goes back to that one egg. If it, if that egg had a face, it was me and Dre. That's where it came from. Even though okay. we didn't try to do nothing, but that's where it came from. A lot of the West. Even I though we didn't create the West Coast, but we just created our sound and our style that got over. <laughs> I, I respect it. The reason why I said Easy E mm-hmm. is because... He was the face of the West Coast at one time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, like I remember, I remember Easy E had a deal to do a video game. I yeah, remember that was, Slam was, Slam that Jazz came out, and it was supposed though. to be Easy E's Lowriders or something like that. I don't remember the name, but I remember going to Vegas four months before he passed. We went to Vegas because he was messing. With, it was with Nintendo or somebody back then. Yes, it was. Game. It was Super Nintendo. Yes, it was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and I remember. It's supposed to have the game game vest you put on and all that stuff where you can feel the whatever was the game was about. But I never when they was over there doing that, I didn't I wasn't even over there. I wasn't even, you know, thinking about that. But yeah, he was definitely was going to be the first rapper on the game. Yeah, I remember I bought the game Slam Jams. It was one of the corniest games ever made. And mm-hmm. inside the game, it had a poster with Easy E sitting on the car, and he said somebody Easy oh, really? E had a video game coming out, and I was super. I was like, "Oh, this is great! Hip hop has video oh, games." I was very amazed, right? And then, um, I when you when you think about that, and you think about the crew, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody had a face and a name for something. Like we knew Dr. Dre for making beats, and he also rapped on "Express Yourself" classic. Mm-hmm. 
we loved Ice Cube because Ice Cube was like raw. I mean, a bitch yeah, is a yeah. bitch was raw. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it, right? Mm-hmm. MC Ren was the technical dude of the group, though. When you listen to If It Ain't Rough, come mm-hmm. on, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. like MC Ren was hitting parameters in the beat like, with his flow. Yeah. As you he said, had the strongest he, voice. He had the strongest voice to me of the group. Okay. He, he, he of course, was the face. He's the superhero. Yeah, he was the face. He was the look. He had the sound. And, of course, his, you know, whoever was doing his lyrics, whether it was Cube at first and Ren and then DLC, his lyrics was just, just raw. <laughs> you know, just coming right at you. Right. And then when we looked, looked at DJ Yella, we said, okay, he's the guy who does the beats because he's DJ Yella. Yeah, Is that I accurate? In the back. I was just in the back doing just me and Dre was there in the studio all the time. It was always me and Dre. Mm-hmm. Even in my book, I got a book out called Straight Outta Compton, My Untold Story. When I say when you walk in the studio, what do you see? You see me on the board, and and I look down, Dre's right there in front of the drum machine. And we had the keyboards and stuff like that, turntables and all that. That was the look of Rufus and them. It was only four years. It was a short four years. Yeah. And all gotta, the, all that stuff came out in four years. I, I, I got to ask a question, because this is something that's mm-hmm. bothered me for a long time, and we always heard rumors on the East Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Was Ice Cube and DOC beefing? No. I don't. I never heard of that. Now, what happened when E, when Doc... When the DLC wrote, he wrote some some of the lyrics on um, We Want Easy and started writing certain stuff. He started liking Doc's writing better than Cube's. Okay. Cube wrote the earlier stuff. Then Ren wrote, like, straight out of Compton. Ren wrote the police song. I didn't know Ren wrote that until we talked about it. I said, oh, he mm. wrote that? But then he, for some reason, he can do... Doc's lyrics more easier. Okay. He could he can hear him and then he can do the word. He, we, we don't have to punch him so much. When he did the other rap, we punch him every line. Every I mean literally every line. Mm-hmm. But when the DLC came around, he he got maybe three lines, maybe four. You know, he got a little bit more. He he liked the Doc's style of writing. The Doc just came out of left field with his writing. Right. Totally different, like a poet. Doc was like a smooth poet, without cussing too, without cuss words. Yeah, the Doc was smooth. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think it never was a beef for anything. It's just Q wrote the earlier stuff, Eight Ball, Boys in the Hood, stuff like that. And then Ren was writing, and then DLC came, and DLC started writing all his stuff. Okay, because. Um, I mean, when you when you think about it this way, we heard that they were we heard on our level over here that it was it was an issue, and not to discount the DOC, if he never got that throat injury, I believe the DOC would be talked about like Scarface is talked about as one oh, of the yeah. best that, that would come out of Texas. He was about to take over a solo a solo artist. He was yeah. like he's about to kill him. He was the about formula. to kill him. Oh my god. Definitely, but he got out of control, you know, doing too much. 
Yeah. And God I'm, had to slow him down. I mean, you know, and even Jay-Z talked about, about it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, like, you know, the, similar to DOC, no one could do it better. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man. I mean, that was a classic album, by the way, by the way, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and I mean, like I said, NWA, like I said, superheroes. These, these are, we, these, y'all are our heroes. And <laughs> we heard so many rumors on the East Coast about NWA <laughs> that when NWA broke up, it wasn't a shock, but it was a shock. Because, yeah. because there was Ruthless Records, right? Yeah. What came out first, Charlotte Compton or Easier Said Than Done, or Easy Does It? What came out? Easy Does It. Easy Does It came out first, then Charlotte Compton came out. Well, let me correct that. J.J. Fab was first. Yeah, Supersonic. All right, gotcha. Yeah, Supersonic, the single gold, and then the album gold. Then Easy okay. Does It, then Charlotte Compton. Okay, so then check this out. This is how the story got to us, mm-hmm. where I'm at, and I'm in New Jersey. This is what, how it got to us. It was a pecking order in NWA, the way we were told. Mm-hmm. Easy e MC Ren, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Yella, because Yella didn't rap. He did the beats. That's how we heard it. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember people arguing, yo, Easy es the best. And people are like, no, Easy es not the best because he said Ice Cube writes the rhymes that I say, so Ice Cube yeah. is the man that you like. And then people are like, no, Ren better than Cube. So then, when, and at the end of the Easy Does It album and everything, it was like, okay, MC Ren's album's coming next. When do we get Cube's album? Because people really like Cube and Ren, and it was a battle. So it, it, from our, on our side, it was like, yo. It's, a, it's it's gonna blow, and then when DOC came, it was like, yo, something's yeah. not but right here. Like I put it like this. Uh huh. Cube wanted to do a solo album. Okay. He definitely wanted to do a solo album. I mean, they may be might be a part of why he left. Also. Okay. He wanted to do a solo album, just like okay, we did Straight Outta Compton. Ren, that never was talked about him a solo album. Okay. I didn't talk about. The, now the last album we did, only the second. You know, we only did two albums. People think we did more, but the last album was started out as being an Easy E album because it was time it was for E to come out with. It was time for E to come out with a new album. Facts. But somehow E was playing around, wasn't doing the lyrics and stuff, so it ended up being an NWA album. Right. So, okay. I mean, the Cube left. Cube left '89. He left quick. Yeah. So that album never got to be, you know, even though it wasn't next. But he wanted to do an album too, definitely. The uh, the other story we heard was mm-hmm. Cube and DOC had a beef. He, uh, mm-hmm. he, Cube got at Jerry Heller because of money, and then we heard the last. Rhyme Ice Cube wrote as a Ruthless Records artist was the grand finale on the DOC album. Is that true? What was he on? Yeah, he was on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that his album was made. DLCs was made right after Strata Compton. Right after we finished mm-hmm. it, I remember we finished Strata Compton on the Friday. I remember me and Dre mixed it on Monday. Dre, cause me and Dre lived together. Mm-hmm. We had an apartment together for a year. And Dre asked me that Monday morning, and hey, I'm going to go work on Doc's album. You want to cut? 
You coming? I was like, nah, man, I need a break. Nah, you, you, you got it. So Dre ended up doing that all by himself. Wow. And then I came and played the drums on the grand finale. Mm. I forgot I played drums on the grand finale. That's I played drums on each of the albums. Mm. You, but but you but but see that's 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 why I get the um the the woulda coulda shouldas because everything no limit cash money Wu Tang and, uh, and Mob Deep and all these other crews have done y'all started first. Imagine if Ruthless Records was able to take their blueprint, I mean that that formula and apply it to y'all blueprint. Imagine how dangerous that could have been. Oh yeah, but you know some the group had to break up. It had to break up. That's how Cube came up. He had to leave. That's how Dre came up so big. He had to leave, too. Because think about this. I don't say the group break up. The group dissolved. <laughs> it just dissolved. Mm, wow, that's a strong he word. He was number one on the billboard. Mm-hmm. The group really broke up. We didn't mm-hmm. break up trying to make enough hit. We was at the top, and we broke up. We shipped gold, which was unheard of for hip-hop back then. That was unheard of. The ship out the box gold, pre-orders gold, but we broke up at number one. But what happened? 30 years later, the movie, the Hall of Fame, and they reissued all the music again. (laughs) That I hope y'all own. stuff started going gold and platinum again. Oh, you had to. Yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's go in there. Let's, let's go from there. So Cube leaves, Cube leaves, right? Mm-hmm. What was the state of the group as far as moving on from there? Cause when America's Most Wanted came out, classic album, by the way, what was the, when, when, when that album happened, what was the, the, the status quo of the group when that was a success? We didn't, we never talked about it. Okay. There was no discussions, sit down, meeting. It was never talked about. Cube left, right. then we just kept going forward. The biggest thing was Cube was one third of the vocals. We know right. that. What are we going to do for this? Because the next thing came out was the EP. So Dre had to step up and fill them that 30%, or 33% of the vocals. So he had to step up. That was 100 Miles of Running, right? Yeah, 100 Miles of Running, uh, Police Song Number 2, Always Into Something, I think. Yeah, so he had to step up. People wondered what we was going to do without Q. Is it going to even make another record? Right. But we had, we came out and we did it. And people now, don't really know this. Mm-hmm. The last album, the second album is better than Strata Count by far. Production-wise. Production-wise it is. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way better. We It was like we grew up on that song. We grew up on the album. The first one was a lot of samples. Mm-hmm. This one was more musicians playing. A lot more. But the first album is still the classic, so it's hard to duplicate that. Right. Now, is it the second album would have been better with Cube on it? Who knows? Should be. Yeah. We, we don't, don't know. know. Yeah, but but Ruthless Records at the time was JJ Fad, right? Mm-hmm. Easy E, NWA, yeah. CPO. He was there. 
he he was that was like more like a solo song or something. I don't He's think affiliated. It was an album. Yeah, yeah, all right. Because that was Ren through. Okay. And, and what about Above the Law? Above the Law. The DL. Who am I missing? Michelle A. Michelle A. Okay. Okay. Now, Above the Law and everybody else, they didn't really get to play over here, unless you were mm -hmm. a fan. Because, look, Black Superman is a classic. I love that song. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, yeah, Cole 187 and other dude who passed away, right? Rest in yeah. peace. Um, so, when we when we heard Ruthless Records, it wasn't N.W.A., though. You, you see what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it, it just didn't hit. It was cool, yeah. but it wasn't that. So then, yeah. I'm going to tell you the truth now. Mm -hmm. We was loving the Ice Cube versus N.W.A. thing. Because yeah. <laughs> the people who like Cube the best was like, yeah. see, I told you he was the best one. And the Niggas for Life came out. Yeah. And oh my God. When I tell you, what was it? Approach the Danger. When I yeah. heard that beat, oh my God. That was the beat. You, 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 you played drums on that? Did you do that? Approach that the Danger? One, no, I didn't play the drums on that one, no. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't tell you where. That one came from. <laughs> Did Dre do that by himself? Did y'all collab on that song? That was... I ain't going to tell you where it came from. Everybody gets sued. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I'll but tell you was. this. My man, well, I'll tell you this. When I heard that song the first time, I played that song 15 times in a row. Because that drum pattern and how the vocals yeah. were, like, modified... Yeah. Oh my, yo. Oh yeah, that, oh, Pro Today. I'm thinking Appetite for Strike, but Pro Today, yeah, that was totally different. Totally yo, different. A, a Pro, whoever's <laughs> mind made that up, they're evil yeah, master scientists, the song. Yo, yeah, Dre, Dre is right. incredible. That, that's incredible. When Niggas for Life came out, we were in shock of that <laughs> album. Yeah. Tell me why you think we were in shock of the album. Let's hear what you got to say. What do you think we were shocked? It, it came out, we didn't, come back and open the door and say, hey, we're here. No, we came back and kicked the door off the hinges. Mm -hmm. It was strong from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lyrics were still raw, hard. It wasn't no more samples. We used maybe one sample on the album. But it was just the G-Funk. That was the stuff of the G-Funk right there for the West Coast. Okay, I'm glad you gave me your answer. Let me tell you why we were in shock mm -hmm. of this album. The album cover number one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's like a that movie album, all yo. in this one frame. <laughs> you, you remember the movie Ghost, right? Yeah. You remember how they bit your album? Uh-uh. Ah, see, once again, hip-hop <laughs> is bit important to the mainstream. On the album of Niggas for Life, which is backwards, by the way, for y'all who don't know, go get it yourself. Yeah. You'll love it. <laughs> the bodies of the group members are on the ground, and their spirits are coming out of their bodies. Mm -hmm. When you watch the movie Ghost, every time somebody died, their spirit got pulled out the body, and either yeah. a demon would come or the light would open in heaven would, and yeah. what would take him. The yeah. funny part was, as the so-called gangsters who got killed, y'all had spirits around y'all like y'all were heavenly, not demonic. <laughs> that blew our minds when we saw that really? album cover. <laughs> I'm telling, it goes deep. I, I love, I love our album covers, as you can tell. Because I'm, I'm gonna tell you about yeah. this. This, the second thing 
that blew our minds about this was the sound quality. The first single I remember yeah, coming yeah. from that album that I got to see was always into something. Yeah. Y'all had a West Indian artist on there. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that's not that's not West Coast to us. Yeah. So when we when we heard that we was like, yo, what is this? And Yo MTV Raps blew that video up on, on our side, right? Really? What? That came on every week. Like that was either wow, the first wow. or the tenth song every show. I did not know that. Let me let me let me tell you something. Like I said, I grew up into this looking for music because I never heard music in my house. So me and my yeah. cousin, shout out to my my, my cousin C Love, yo, mm -hmm. my man. My man, C Black, this is for you, bro. My man and me, my cousin and me would take VHS tapes and make our own mixes. Not a yeah, song, yeah. but a video so we could share the videotapes yeah. with each other. Mm -hmm. When I tell you, Always Into Something and Rakim Know the Ledge were the two videos they mm -hmm. played religiously, mm -hmm. that was our soundtrack. Wow. Hustle Black, <laughs> what's good? This is for you. Listen. Sound quality, the album cover, and then we heard the notorious beef of N.W.A. and um, Mob Style. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate on that, or you want to skip over that? I don't even. What beef is that? So I remember the Mob Style used to diss N.W.A. And people thought, you know, that, that that's why we heard, we thought a lot of the East Coast, West Coast people thought we didn't like their music on the East Coast. I mean, I but, remember Tim, dog. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll be talking about that later. <laughs> Get yeah. it. Tim, dog is a whole other story. Oh, okay. <laughs> we know about Tim, dog and F. Compton. We already know. Yeah. That's one of the best, that's one of the, okay, I have to say it to you. That's one of the best diss songs i ever heard. It was funny <laughs> as hell. It was controversial. You know so crazy? He was in New York taking pictures, and this guy came up. He said, yeah, man, I got a song come out, this and Compton. It's called F. Compton. I'm like, but we looked at him like he was crazy. It was Tim, though. <laughs> we looked at him like he was crazy. Like, who is this guy? <laughs> yo, Tim Dog, yo. Yeah, I know. Tim Dog is a, yeah, he, he's a story within himself. But, oh, but, um, damn, yo. Oh, my God. So, so Mob Style are from Harlem. And if anybody doesn't know who Mob Style is, you heard, you saw the movie Paid in Full, one of the guys, AZ Faison, he's one of the members of Mob Style. And the, the story with Mob Style felt like NWA wasn't real. So they made an album called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly to play y'all out. Uh, All right? So there were stories of NWA going to the Apollo and people trying to, like, get at y'all. Oh, really? I remember doing that, and I didn't like it, but... Okay. They didn't boo us, but the look okay. on their face was crazy. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> there's a song that y'all got called Real Niggas on mm -hmm. Niggas for Life. Yeah. And, I know, Prisoner, like a hostage. Yo, you got to cover your motherfucking yeah. head like a hostage. Like, look, I love that song. I can tell you right now, right? <laughs> but Eve, -E, this whole verse, ha, the good, the bad, the ugly, you see? A little street motherfucker, you know me, and he rolled in. And the good, the bad, the ugly was the name of their album. So it sounded oh. like he was addressing mob style. So when he said, nigga, oh. nigga, 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 please, since you on my dick, why don't you drop to your knees? You know, it was like he was talking to them. So it was oh. like, oh, shit. East Coast versus West Coast rap battle? Because <laughs> D.O.C. wrote that lyric, them lyrics. 
<laughs> okay, well, like I said, mob style NWA. It felt like that was that was the first time I ever saw an East Coast West Coast issue in wow. hip hop. Okay, so <laughs> I so didn't when you know that. <laughs> oh, okay, so so when you said so when you said on the on the one time I met the first time I, we got to talk when you said you thought the East didn't really mess with y'all. Yeah. The thing is, y'all looking at it from a New York versus L.A. standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and we always, and we and we in Jersey always, like, we had connections to the West Coast. We had connections to the oh. South. We had connections mm -hmm. to New York. Of course, because New York is 15 minutes away from us, depending on where you live in New, in New yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So when the Mob Style stories came out, it was like, oh, shit, N.W.A. beefing with Mob Style? That's mm -hmm. crazy. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, if you say, you know, you didn't know, I mean, hey, you didn't I know. I sure didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody out there, hey, look, he said he didn't know, so he didn't know. All right. So uh, let's wow. let's finish off. Let's finish off on Niggas for Life because it seemed like when Dre left NWA, that's when the cloudiness came on what was the future of not NWA only but Ruthless Records. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tell yeah, me about because, that time. Because when he left, the group just dissolved away. But the problem was all these other groups had deals, you know, distribution deals. J.J. Fads, mm -hmm. Michelle A., you know, these companies wanted albums, more albums from them, you know. Yeah. And it just seemed like it just kind of all frozen for a while into Bone Thugs. Until me and E met Bone Thugs in '93, mm. which was like a year and a half later when Dre left for something, and they came back like us, different, different style. It was just like us, but they just had their own style, singing, rapping. I mean, it was new, <laughs> it was definitely new. That's how they blew up like that, and that was the last of the Rufus there. Besides E last album. Only if you want it and one eighty seven killer and all that, right? No, it's the uh um, straight off the streets of Compton one. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was his last album. It it came out after he died, but Okay. We, we was working on that one. Song by song, you know, piece by piece over so when Dre left mid ninety one or whatever it was and then I stayed there for the next Three and a half years? Yeah. So we did songs here and there, and that's how I end up with the last album. Okay. Everybody wanted that album. Right. I forgot all about that album. It was in the studio. Just huh. in the studio. I ain't even thought. When he died, I forgot all about that album. Huh. And to our ex-manager, I don't call him by his name. I call him Mr. Manager, huh. asked me about the album. Huh. He wanted that album. I really didn't think about it at the time. When I left his house, and I told my buddy it was Ryan with nothing. Did he just try to get E's album from me? Is that what he was asking in there? Uh. And, you know, I ain't thought nothing about that album. And to the courts came for Ruthless and wanted me to finish the album. Wow. Other than that, I mean, if they would have came and said, oh, we, we want our master. There you go. I ain't holding these up. But somebody had told me, why didn't you hold the Masters for a million dollars? Because this was 1996, so a million dollars was a lot back then, $10 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. somebody sure did ask me why I didn't hold the Masters. I said, 
I never, you know, I said, that ain't my style. I never thought about it. Right. At all. When the court came, I said, hey, y'all just pay me what you owe me and pay me what E would pay me per song producing. That's it. I didn't go say, oh, I want 20000 extra song. I didn't do none of that because I wouldn't charge E that. Right. So I just, you know, I was dealing with the court. Well, it was the trustee, really. So, man, it was, it was different. Ruthless changed after Dre left. Definitely yeah. changed. Then other new groups came, but nothing was was nothing else. And to to me, Bone was kind of part of the original Ruthless, but they wasn't around in, in the original Ruthless. But they were the sound like they were. Hmm. You know what's deep? When we heard Bone Thugs and Harmony over here, where I'm at. Mm-hmm. We thought NWA was coming back out with an album. <laughs> no, really, because let me tell you, there was a song with Money B, Tupac, and Above the Law. Mm-hmm. And everybody was leaving NWA, but there's a scene in that video where Easy e and MC Ren are sitting together on the steps. Uh-huh. That was a scene of unity. Mm-hmm. So we were like, ooh, E and Ren still together? They must have, yeah. Above the Law there... Pocket Money B? Digital Underground roll with them? Hold right, on, this is right, crazy. Okay. And then we heard rumors, we heard rumors that was against that movie, because the movie Shadow Compton kind of showed some weird stuff. But we heard rumors at one time that E and Cube were kind of trying to get back together to do something collectively, since Cube found his way, and E still had his way, and they were both still homies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They wasn't talking no more, but he happened to see Cube in New York. I know mm-hmm. that. And they talked for the first time since Cube left. Mm-hmm. Like me. I didn't, I've never seen Cube. Cube, when Cube, when we got off that bus on the end of the tour, that was the last I seen the Cube. I didn't mm. see him no more. No mm. more for years. And E didn't see him either. Nobody seen him. But E happened to see him uh, it had to be 95, maybe, yeah, early 95 or something in New York. And they talked. Then I think he talked to Dre once, and then that was it. Because me, I, I made, me and he and Ren made a couple of songs that's on his last album. Right. And we was working on that like 94. So we did a couple of songs, but then that was it. Ruthless was over. When Ruthless ended, you found your way into other means of life. How did that happen? Because oh, I was, I had already started doing movies, maybe 92, maybe 93, but I was doing it without my face or name. Because right. I was the company. Mm-hmm. I was like producing. I was doing films, but I was, to me, it was like producing albums. Right. So when E died, I said, you know something, I'm done with music. And I'm going to go full-time in the movie. So I put my face and the name on the covers. Okay. But I I went in as, like, producing albums. I made 350 movies over 15 years. Wow. I mean, I was – because I filmed them. I took all the photos, all the stills, edited them, music, film. I mean, everything. I did everything. Okay. But I I went in it as business, like – this is a new music to me, but it's just right. film, just movies. I'm going to ask you this. How mm-hmm. did that career pay 
as opposed to the music career? And do you get royalties and residuals from your prior work? No. I didn't start thinking about owning stuff until the last two movies I did, and the funny name of it, this was in 2008. The last two movies I did, I Paid myself. It was called Straight Outta Compton, Volume One and Volume Two. Wow! And I would have been owning it, but for 15 years I didn't. I just shot for companies, and it was pretty good. I mean, actually, really, because I was making four to five movies a month. Okay. Pulling over 20 a month, hmm. easily, easily. That's why I didn't think about music no more. I just stayed in the movies. <laughs> I didn't care nothing about music. Dre called me in 01 when he did the Up and Smoke tour. He said, man, come check out my rehearsal at the uh, um, some arena he was rehearsing at. I mm-hmm. said, okay, I'll be there. Never went. Never even thought about it because I was doing movies too much. I was into the movies. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. Do you think you would have got bit by that bug to go back into music if you did go? No, no, because when, when the day of E's funeral and when we when they pounded the dirt on top of his grave, and I was there with just a couple of people, everybody left, you know, the crowd left, and I said, right then, I'm done with music. I didn't think about it. I didn't contemplate money, and I haven't done music since, except a year later. That's when somebody wanted me to do a solo album. I'm not a solo artist. I don't rap, but they paid me to do it. And then at the same time, Priority came with me to do NWA's first greatest hits, the original right. one. Right. So I had to do that one. And then that's when the courts came for Eve's album. So I'm doing three albums at one time in the studio. Wow. And that's the last I touched music. I didn't touch it no more. When Death Row became a movement in the West, and it seemed mm-hmm. like Anytime there's new blood, everybody will run with the new thing and shit on the mm-hmm. old, right? Yeah. How were you caught within that story with Death Row and Ruthless? Oh, I was nothing. Dre, when Dre left, when Dre was leaving, he called me. And he said, I'm gone. You know, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm saying, huh? You know, and I'm thinking in my mind, you gone. You know, I'm like thinking, going where? And he said, I'm right. gone. Are you coming? I said, I'll call you back and give you an answer. Mm-hmm. I didn't give him that answer to 2019. <laughs> wow. 2019, we talked about it for the first time. I didn't have an answer. I was caught in the middle. Yeah, I exactly. Like, I should have went with Dre, but I ain't got nothing against E. Right. So by me not doing anything, now I'm caught up. It's like, did I stay with E because of the money? No. I just didn't do I didn't do anything. I didn't jump with Dre or I didn't jump with E. I just stayed in the middle, neutral. And that was it, you know. I just got pushed over to that side. Even when E and now was going through the the diss song and when he did It's On or or Real G's. Yeah. He didn't ask me to be a part of it at all. Okay, he knew. I ain't got nothing against Dre at all. That's why I wasn't in the video or none of that. He knew I would not be a part of that. And Ren was the same way? I guess. I would, I, I, at that time, I didn't see Ren okay. at all. 
But Ren wasn't a part of that, none of that either. Right, right. I seen because, you know, people thought Ren was going to go straight with Dre because they were supposed yeah. to be the two, the duo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, like, he that. definitely asked me. I just didn't answer. I didn't give an answer. Hmm. Once again, everybody, this is Kareva Heritage Hip Hop with DJ Yella of NWA. Make sure, if you're listening to this on YouTube, make sure you put that like button, subscribe, share, hit the notification um, bell, subscribe. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM, make sure you give us a review. This is one of the most classic interviews I've ever had with somebody I revere as a hip hop legend and a music icon, period, not just hip hop. So now, um, let's speed up to 2021. You have a book mm -hmm. out. Yeah. I believe storytelling is the most precious way to get people to realize that there is a history, not a telling of the past. Why did you want to, why did you want to put your history out and not just be a past story? Um, during the pandemic, it took me a year and a half to write it during the whole pandemic when everything was shut down. Cause I DJ around the world. I have okay. been to 100 countries in the past four years. Hmm. Countries, not just cities. I mean, I'm talking about Vietnam, Korea, Bali, Sri Lanka, Bahrain, Dubai. If you could find it on the map, I've most likely been there. Mm -hmm. and, and it just, God just brought it to me to write it. And the thing about it, how I knew it was God, I remember all the details. Hmm. I mean, from five years old, until 2020. So I wrote about my timeline. So Wrecking Crew, NWA, Cube leaving, Dre leaving, E dying, all that just happened to be in my timeline. Mm. I didn't make the book to talk about that. No, I just did my timeline. From being little, from, you know, seeing crazy stuff when I was little. Almost dying mm. quite a few times. I mean, it just... All that just happened to be in my timeline. It kind of filled in some of the spots at the beginning of the Wrecking Crew, the beginning of NWA. It, it, it fills in the blanks a lot. Not dissing people, not throwing people under the bus. I threw myself under the bus. Mm. But I didn't throw other people under the bus. But I just, this is my story, and I just told my story. I believe that life is a classroom without walls. Mm -hmm. and experience is your teacher. I also believe that people will look at a man and judge him from what, for what he has, but they don't yeah. look at the scars that he accumulated to get what he has, which is experience, yeah. knowledge. Oh, yeah. What do you think is the one scar that you took or that you wear that made you the man that you are and that makes you an icon in music the same way? Um, I don't know if it was a scar. But mm -hmm. I just remember growing up poor. I mean, yeah. we was poor. I mean, poor. Actually, P.O. We wasn't poor. <laughs> we was poor. <laughs> and I remember, you know, all we was fortunate to have a house. So all my neighbors are right around me. Everybody grew up with their mother and father. I only grew up with my mother. My, even though my father stayed right on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. But all my brothers and sisters above me got the parents, both parents, when they grew up. Because there was nine of kids, all by the same parents. Mm. And when it got down to me and my younger sister, we got kind of got the short end of the stick. We didn't get the, the the family pictures and the baby pictures. We didn't get all that. Yeah. I guess we got at the end of the divorce. 
They got divorced after her, so. Okay. And that, that's probably, I wouldn't say it a scar. That's just made me, I don't know, not really want things, but appreciate stuff a lot. Right. Stuff is so simple to me. I mean, like the music, okay, that's cool. You know, people say, oh, you was in that group yet. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, you know, it was all right. We made some money. You know, it was cool. I don't get excited about stuff. Okay. Because growing up poor, you just, you know, we get excited about Christmas, and there's no Christmas presents. So <laughs> you learn not to get too excited about stuff. I never had a new bicycle growing up. Skateboards were not invented in my days. It was just bicycles. I never had my own bicycle. I always got hand-me-downs. Or pieced right. together or something. So mm-hmm. it just made me appreciate life. But if a person read my book, you would see ups, downs, downs, up, around, all kind of a real roller coaster ride. It will surprise a lot of people where I end up. It was really surprised. Well, you haven't ended yet. So we'll just say where you are in your journey <laughs> in life today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because God forbid <laughs> you, you end anytime soon. Oh, yeah. Especially with what's going on in the world. I don't wish that on anybody. You oh, know? Yeah. Definitely. You know what's, you know what's important in talking to you for myself? Cause mm-hmm. everybody, everybody thinks I just want to interview people. And I, yeah. I, I love it. I love this, but I really love to learn the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something right now that's personal to me. In my, mm-hmm. in, in the last, in the last month, I lost five people to COVID. Wow. Or some type of death. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you think about life and the people that you meet, everything is a short period of time. Yeah. So anything you can hold on to that brings you joy, hold on to it. Right. And the one thing I have that brings me joy is music, especially hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the simple fact I could talk to somebody who's influenced my life in some type of way, I just want to mm-hmm. be man. I, I wish I could talk to you on a Zoom or something. Or meet you in person one day, but I want a man to man tell you thank you because if it wasn't for your contribution on drums, DJing, your relationships that you made with people, or even the music that you put out, me yeah. as a young boy to a young man, I would have missed something that would have made my soul incomplete. And I thank you for helping making that jigsaw puzzle piece that fits in my heart. Thank you so much. Well, I, I thank you. I mean, you know. It's just amazing. That's why I'd be so honored to do interviews. This, this is without the people, without the fans, we never would have been anything. That, mm. but some artists don't look at that kind of stuff. They think they, I ain't doing no interview. I ain't taking no pictures. I mean, I do it all the time. I could be with the wife eating dinner. Somebody wants to, okay, let's take a picture now. Just like that. It's not that hard. It's simple. Without them, we wouldn't be here. We would not be here. At all. I give it up to you, everybody that do interviews, the fans, all that. I, I just, man, I'm just honored. That's what's up. Before we close out, please give them your social media and how they can mm-hmm. purchase your book. Well, social media, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, which I actually run the pages, and that's DJ Yellow of NWA on both of them. And then the book is called Straight Out of Compton, My Untold Stories. Is on Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and to get autograph copies, really autograph copies that I autograph and mail out myself, is at DJYellowOfNWA.com. 
and that's how you catch all of me right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get an autographed copy. But so. I want you to read the book. No, like, I'm doing that. You might learn. No, any book I buy, I read. I read. Yeah. Any book yeah, I buy, I read. I read Scarface's book, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I read Rakim's book, phenomenal. I want to get your book. I didn't get Jay Prince's book yet. And a Luther Campbell, y'all, oh, boy. If I can get those two <laughs> on the interview myself, that would be interesting. Yeah. But before we close out this interview, I like to play a game called the Rapid Fire Questions. Are You You think you want to play this game with me? You good with that? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the Rapid Fire Questions are not yes-no questions. These are questions that tell us about your personality, your knowledge mm -hmm. of your craft, and the depth of knowledge that you have within the culture itself. All right? You ready mm -hmm. to go? Yeah. Here's one of my favorite questions I ask everybody. What song or album from another artist's catalog perfectly describes you? Me? Yeah. Uh, Grandmaster Flash, The Wheels of Steel, I think that's the name of it. That song is just, I like that song. <laughs> that's okay. It described me because it's, it's a DJ. That's mm -hmm. one of the first songs I heard somebody scratching and mixing on. The first. Okay. Next next question. Who are the West Coast hip-hop icons that people don't know about that you would like to see get shine? Um, There's a guy, it was a guy called Mixmaster Spade. He's one of the first rappers from Compton. Mm -hmm. He was only just a local hit, but Mixmaster Spade, Cotty T, these are mm -hmm. the names, the early names. Mm-hmm. When we was doing Wrecking Crew, they was doing Rapid also. Them two definitely were some unheard, unheard name. And uh, a guy that I work with doing all the Wrecking Crew called Unknown DJ, he produced Ice-T's first song, Six in the Morning. Wow. Yeah. Wow. See, I was going to go there, too. Shout out to my <laughs> man J Jason Sterling of JS Films. He put me on a Toddy T. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So shout out to him. To him. Um, here's another question. Mm -hmm. I heard that NWA and Public Enemy had a very tight relationship. Is that true? I mean, I I've seen them once or twice, maybe. We did a couple of shows together. Okay. As far as hanging out, I don't. You know, we, we no. never really. I never really hung up. I mean, I've seen Chuck D. I never met Flavor Faye, so so I seen Chuck once or twice, but that's it. What about EPMD? Never met them. You never met them, okay? Because in other interviews, I heard that Public Enemy. Mm -hmm. They 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 gave. I heard from a Public Enemy interview that they gave the group that it takes a nation of millions to hold us back album. They let y'all hear it or something. Mm. The group and the group loved the album. And it kind of forged the, the, the friendship between Ice Cube and Chuck. And I heard Easy e was tight with um, Parrish Smith from EPMD. Is there anybody in the industry you connected with outside of your, your circle? Mm, not really. I kept more to myself. Okay. I really, I, went, I didn't do the, I call it the Hollywood thing, the being an artist thing. I didn't go out to the parties. I didn't go, I kept to myself. I did. Having fun things, buying okay. boats and yachts and jet skis. That's the kind of fun I had. Music is cool. I did it, but I like to have life fun. <laughs> okay. So here's my next question. 
NWA is so influential in the world. Let me ask you this. Going to all these hundred different countries and stuff, what surprised you the most and what surprises you today when it comes to hip-hop and your influence of hip-hop in those other places? It's amazing. I mean, since the movie came out that, you know, NWA got around the world all at once, instantly. And then mm-hmm. when I DJed in Vietnam, they can't, you can't talk to them because they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. But when you play our songs or early 90s hip-hop, they can sing all the lyrics. Damn. All the lyrics, which is amazing. In Vietnam, <laughs> and I was in Ho Chi Minh, or wherever I was, I was on the, when it was north and south, I was on the north side. That's deep in Vietnam. You know, even though it's all one one country now, but I was deep, and they didn't speak no English, but they can play, they can sing our songs, sing other rapper songs, but like around the world, they love late 80s, early 90s hip-hop. That's Mm. what they love all around the world. Mm, That's deep. That's real deep. When hip-hop on the West Coast was exposed to the East Coast, it was through movies like Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society. Mm-hmm. And gang culture, as you see, has taken over the world. Yeah. What hip-hop element from the West Coast do you think doesn't get enough shine that everybody focuses on gang culture of the West Coast and not this this other thing? What do you think that is? Uh, that's hard. I mean, hip-hop is so out there now so well you know so well known ain't just east now it's west now it's down south is you know everywhere um uh-huh. that's a that's a good question that's a that's a hard one i mean because to me the gang stuff came out when colors came out yeah it really got notarized a lot uh-huh. it was definitely colors I mean, because, you know, other movies, but there was it's something about colors. That was the real, the Crips and the Blood. That was the blue and the red. That, that, wow. That came out and just, now they either, Bloods or Crips or, you know, there's so much. It's just, wow. Yeah. That's a deep question. (laughs) That's a hard one to even answer. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's flip it then. Being mm-hmm. from the West Coast and going to New York, when you went back mm-hmm. to the West Coast, what did you take from New York that made the West Coast, like, just bubble even more? The weather. Cold, because when I went, cold in November, <laughs> December, or whatever, you know, when they winter is real winter. <laughs> or even summer. It's hot. Muggy. Mm-hmm. We don't have that muggy in California. Like, New York, like, Florida. I'm just like, the in the east, you know, New York is just buildings. You know, I haven't really seen the suburbs, but it's just a concrete jungle. It's just all buildings. It's just like wow. And I get back to California, you know, there's grass and you know open space and stuff. You know, because New York got so many people in that small space. California yeah. is so spread it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's all weather. Definitely okay. all weather. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite hip-hop beat that you've created or been on? Uh, 
I like the Bone Thugs and Harmony for the love of money. That's a classic. Come on. You did that. I originally did that for another group early Ooh. in 91 when Dre was still there. This group mm. was called Yomo and Marky. Dre oh, was fuck that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Dre was supposed to do the album, but Dre didn't feel like doing it. So I got pushed into doing it, and I did the album. And I made that song for the love of money. But they got caught up in red tape because they got on Atlantic or something, but they mm-hmm. just didn't go nowhere. And then two or three years later, Bone heard that song, and they made the song, and they wrote to it. That's mm. that. I like that beat. <laughs> Yomo and Marky, they had a they had a um, a very conscious song at one time. I remember them. Yeah. Oh, Glory. Uh, oh, were, F.O. Was, Glory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were kind oh. of being too political, too. But the thing was, they didn't cuss on the album. So right. it's kind of defeating the purpose of what you're talking about. Wow. So it, it just got caught up. It's just like, wow. <laughs> no more Marky. Shout out to them. Yeah. Man, I ain't hear them names in a long time. Wow. Oh, okay, so how about this? What's one of your favorite hip hop beats you ever heard that inspires you to this day? You know, ooh. Hmm. Ah, that's a good one. I still like some of the Run DMC stuff, definitely. Okay. Beats to the Rhyme, I like that. Uh, right. Now, Peter Piper. That one I like, Peter Piper. Um, it's a few. Um, I like the uh, the uh, Rakim. I can't think of the name of it, but it had the kind of like Indian music. It was on the remix one. Theater Full. Yeah, I like I like that. I like that remix. Mm-hmm. It's just something about that remix. I like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, let me ask you this question. This is good. We're going, we're going, we're going in real good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I asked you about the beat. Uh, damn, I just lost my train of thought, but I'm going to catch it. Let me ask you this question when it comes to music, okay? Mm-hmm. Tempo and speed dictate how a person feels music. Mm-hmm. Why does the West Coast win with slow, slow melodies? And not with upbeat tempos most of the time. Um, originally, Wrecking Crew was upbeat. Okay. The eighties of that, but one other than that is down to the nineties. Mm. I can't remember the speed. What it was, 91, 90, somewhere, ninety four, somewhere. It's just that you, you, you get the groove better. To me, you know, you can feel it. You ain't got to You kind of cat lacking. You're not. Running, you're not running. You just cat lagging, like yeah. You know, you can bob your head real, real slow. Not the fast. Fast music is cool, but you never get tired of the slow beats. Never get tired oh. of. Them. I'm gonna ask you a regional question of hip hop now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm from New Jersey. When people think of New Jersey, especially in the '90s and '80s, New Jersey was New York, mm-hmm. which is totally false. Oh, okay. And when you and when you think about New Jersey, New Jersey separated like New York has boroughs, right? Yeah. But that's not New York. That's New York City. Oh. New York State is like Albany, Syracuse. Now you yeah. got Buffalo that people know because of Griselda, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And New Jersey's broke up into counties. Yeah, Essex County, which is like Newark, Irvington, East Orange, Orange, the Oranges, you know, et cetera. You have Hudson County, which is Jersey City, which is closer to New York. And then you have like Cumberland County and stuff in the south, like Trenton, Cherry Hill. You know, so New Jersey's very spread out. Yeah. When you think of L.A., we think of this massive state, but only yeah, L.A. Yeah. is California. What is the <laughs> difference between what is the difference between San Diego, Oakland, San Francisco? You know, what is the difference in music style, et cetera, when it comes to those territories in California? Well, first, weather-wise, California is in the middle, and then Oakland and San Francisco is up north. You know, we talking about like four hundred miles up north, so it's a long way. And then mm-hmm. San Diego is like 120 miles down south. It's more kind of cooler. Mm-hmm. And up north had its own sound because they were a the different style of people. They were more like hustlers up there because okay. I got family in Oakland. In L.A., we're different from Oakland, totally different. It's like mm-hmm. way different. And it's just. The music is different. I mean, totally different. You know, the two shorts, the E40, it's totally different from down. Well, we would be south of them, so L.A. was just way different. Compton, all that. Compton and L.A. is right right next to each other, so it's all right there. And San Diego is kind of way at the bottom by the border of Mexico. So weather-wise, it's all three different weathers, Mm -hmm. much colder up north. Mm-hmm. Way colder than LA, and down and down in San Diego, it's a little cooler. But LA is just just right in the right spot. <laughs> perfect weather, perfect sounds, everything. <laughs> and see that confused us on in New Jersey on the east. Mm-hmm. When you think of Cali, you just think of LA. That's it. There's nothing yeah, else. Yeah. There's the Dodgers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's the LA yeah, Kings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, it's the Lakers. And, and, and we don't really think about the distance because, like, you got, like, like you said, E-40, too short. You got yeah. Ice Cube, Ice T. Yeah. You got yeah. Mitchie Slick. You know what I'm saying? Spice One. Yeah. It's it, DJ Quick. Like, it's so much yeah. that it's like, okay, is this, like, are they close? Do they know each other? It, it, it's like, are they far from each other? It's so yeah. different. Yeah, up north, all of them is, is, like, 300 miles, 300-plus miles. Damn, that's crazy. See, I yeah. take a plane of this? Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could drive. it take you five hours in a car. Right. But that's what I'm saying. California is so huge. L.A. Yeah. County is probably New York. All of New York, probably. Just wow. L.A. County. It's huge. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, you just blew my mind. Thank you for that. Because that's crazy. <laughs> All right. Um... Here's another question I want to ask you about pertaining to NWA. Mm-hmm. We didn't get MC Ren's perspective in Straight Outta Compton, the movie. And that's right. one I really want to see. What do you think people are missing by not fully knowing Ren's story? I don't know. It's quite, I mean, I mean, he was, he wasn't quiet like me because he rapped. But he had the strongest voice, and to me, he was the hardest, you know, rapping-wise. Mm-hmm. He was the style, and he was the sound. Because mm-hmm. Ray only rapped on one, maybe a couple of records on the first album. So, so it ran, I mean, quite, quite. think about it, me and his story wasn't in the movie. 
Okay, let's talk I about mean, it. I mean, it was just, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just too many stories to go down in one movie in one, two fact. hours and 25 minutes. It, it's just too much going on. It was already stuff in the movie that was put together that really wasn't put together. Yeah, I figured you know, that. Time-wise, time-wise, you know, of course they had to make something like Hollywood and all this stuff. But Rand would have had a, a good story, too. You I, know, I, I I'm believe so, he got his own story, so... You know, you as I said, you got to read my book, then you know my story. That's right. And hopefully, Ren write a book too. You know what? I mean, I mean, I think the movie was a classic for how it was yeah, told yeah. and how it was presented. But even seeing Wu Tang Clan with the um, mm-hmm. Hulu series Wu Tang Saga, I would have loved to have seen the NWA Saga done that way. Yeah, I, th- well, I, I think the movie like, gave us a lot, but we got cheated. Yeah, if it would have been like a series. Then you could have got more, probably a lot more out of it. Yeah, a lot more. All right, we're coming down to the last five questions. I hope everybody out there is listening and enjoying this classic interview. Please, I ask you before we um, get off the line that you give me two two more minutes of your time after we're done. Uh, let's go to the last five questions now. I'm going to ask a question that everybody has asked that they wanted to know from you personally. Mm-hmm. That um that um, bothered a lot of people, and that's this. There's been so much talk of N.W.A. because it's an enduring story that people have been wanting to recreate N.W.A. Mm-hmm. We had Snoop, Ren, Dre, and Cube on a song. You weren't there in the video, though. Yeah, I was doing movies. Okay. At that so time my... when they did that, I was on set. <laughs> okay. So my question is, if they ever did an N.W.A., tribute or something where they brought you and the original members and they brought in new people in the group or or, or, or to, you know, for y'all to not pass the torch, but y'all give them the okay to do a tribute to NWA. Who would you want to see be the tribute artist to, to, to dedicate NWA? Mm. I mean, it would have to be Snoop, I think. Because okay. mm-hmm. he's true West Coast, you know, true West Coast. But it'd be mm-hmm. nice to have an East Coast, somebody from the East Coast. I don't know who, but somebody from the East Coast also would be mm-hmm. pretty cool. I mean, you know, make it because we, you look at NWA is not just oh they're from Compton. That's it. It's like it's almost like we're not from anywhere. We from around everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just locked in. Yeah, we a West Coast group. Yeah, we from Compton. Okay, but we're not locked in because we got all around the world now because of social media and all this stuff. So that would be, yeah, Snoop and somebody heavy, I mean, a real heavyweight from the East would be Mm -hmm. nice. Okay. I like that. Okay. Next question. The connection from California and Texas seems to be very well undocumented because people don't talk about it enough. Now, we talked about the DOC a little bit in this conversation, mm-hmm. but Texas and Cali influence each other. How do they influence each other? How do they keep them each other bubbling in a, in a hip-hop relationship, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, I guess Texas, because it's, you know, down south, it just, I don't know. It just seemed like Texas people in California click seem like it. 
Okay. It really clicked. A lot of people from California moved to Texas. A lot of Texas people moved to California. So it's just like a, a natural bond to me. You know, okay. there's no restrictions. It's just like naturally they bond for some reason. Okay. When we talk about staples, question three, we talk about staples within the West Coast. Tupac mm-hmm. comes about a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the ascension of Pac in the death row era, when do you think the West Coast changed? And what is the West Coast today musically in your opinion right now? Mm. I mean, it's just like all the hip-hop music. It have all changed. It's totally different now. There's a million groups now. Well, not groups, solo artists. It's really, I don't even think there's any groups anymore. Very few. Mm-hmm. It's just, West Coast is still there, but it's more spread out West Coast now. A lot of up north, you know, it ain't just Compton or Watts. Now it's Watts, you know, not just L.A., so it's more California now. You know, even probably Seattle and Washington, which is right up north, further up north, but it's just... It's all, it's just, mm, that's a good question. That is a good question. I mean, it's different. It's a lot of West Coast still, but it's just different now. It's just more different. I mean, when the game and then Kendrick Lamar and all them, and then now all the newer faces out. So West Coast is still there. But now, the thing about it, all the coasts are like even now. Because first it was dominated by the East, then the West dominated. Now it's all over. It's like from everywhere now, Detroit. I mean, everywhere. Mm-hmm. You kind of made me want to build a new question with you, and this is it. <laughs> no, because since you said that, and it's different, y'all were the first company in hip-hop to actually forge differences, though. Because think about mm-hmm. this. J.J. Fad to Eazy-E to NWA, to Miss LA. As a producer and a DJ, let me ask you this. How hard or how different, you know what? Not hard or different. How how different is the technique of producing for hip-hop as it is the R&B at a top-level sound for you? Um, that ain't hard, especially okay. when you got a DJ mentality. You know, the mm-hmm. DJ, a DJ is supposed to be able to mix whatever you got to mix to make okay. the, the house rock. Whatever mm-hmm. you got to throw in, you got to just what you got to do. So I guess the producing, the you know, I ain't really produce R&B, but just going from J.J. Fad, going from Wrecking Crew, going to E, the NWA, them was totally different, you know, going to Bone Thugs, them was totally different, all different. Still hip hop, but all different. So it ain't that it ain't that hard. It's just whatever groove you're in. Mm. It's about whatever groove you're in. Just like a DJ. Okay. So this might hit. This might hit on this one. This one might hit on this one. Just that's all it is. That's how I always thought like a DJ. Hey, that's fire. All right, we got to the last two questions. This is one of my questions I do for myself. And this is my question. How did you like being on Heritage Hip Hop? And would you recommend us to anybody else to jump on for an interview? Oh, no, I, I'm cool. I like it. I mean, I like 
real talking interview, not just the the plain question, the everyday question that everybody asks. You know, we talk. We didn't. I didn't consider it as an interview. I considered it as a conversation because we were just talking. Yeah. Mostly, you just happen to have questions. <laughs> but I, I enjoy it. I mean, I recommend it to everybody. So no, I, I like these kind of interviews. And I hope to talk to you more and more as life goes on. And like I said, I really want to meet you and shake your hand and tell you thank you face to face. Cause but you got to do me a favor. You got to oh, read that? that book. No, no. I'm going to buy the book from you because I want an autographed copy. I'm not playing. I want that. Yeah. But I, I want you to read it and, and tell me what you think. There's a you lot more in there that you – it's a lot. I tell you, it's a lot that you have no idea. I'm gonna buy my coffee from you when I get. I'm, I'm outside. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna go to your. I'm gonna go to your Instagram. Hit the link for your website. I'm gonna buy the book as soon as I get in the house. Yes, everybody, you hear this? This is out here for the world to know. By the time y'all hear this, I purchased the book, and I will hit you. I will talk to you personally on Instagram if you allow me to tell you how I love the book. I promise you that. I definitely. May the most high be my witness. All right. Yes, DJ Yellow of NWA dot com. And I, and I like to hear hear what you think. Because the thing yeah. about this, I've never read a book in my life. Besides wow. going to school 1 to 12, you know, what books yeah. do you read in school? You don't. I yeah, never yeah. read a novel. I never opened one. Wow. But but the people that read it, is, you know, got five stars on Amazon and all this. And, but the people that read it said, it's like I'm just talking to you. Like I'm having a conversation. The same way we're doing on this interview. Wow. I'll definitely, honestly, I'm going to order my book tonight, and I want that autograph. <laughs> I want to show it to my brother like, ha, I talked to DJ Yeller. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> like, I, I want to show that to everybody. Because you know what? You know what I'll do? I, I even do this, I'll even do this to keep my word to you. I'll read the book, and I'll write a blog review on my website and share okay. it. Okay. So then yeah. we could do it that way. We'll, we'll do it both oh, yeah. ways, all right? Oh, yeah. And I give you and I give you my word. We're going to do that. Okay. So we've got to the final question of the interview. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Karev Heritage Chip Out with DJ Yella of NWA. If you like what you heard so far tonight, please follow us on YouTube at Heritage Hip Hop. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. We have shows like Truth Behind Bars, Truth Behind Beats, interviews, podcasts, and more. So make sure you join us on YouTube. You can follow us on all social media at Heritage Hip Hop. All podcasts are available on our website, HeritageHipHop.com, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for merch or you want to help us build, HeritageHipHop.com is our digital real estate. We are the 30 for 30 of independent artists, independent music, and we are more than music. We introduce you to your future favorite artists today. And tonight we had the pleasure of talking to an icon in music, not just in hip-hop. And with that being said, here's the final question. Uh, after I uh, pray the Most High blesses you and keeps you alive for many, 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 many more years, and COVID be damned, and you get to see and appreciate your impact. I usually ask people about their legacy that they want to leave behind mm-hmm. when they do music, right? But that's not what I'm going to ask you. No. With music, video games, fashion, and art emulating NWA, mm-hmm. what part of your legacy 
do you wish to see come forward now as technology grows that you have not seen before? Ooh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one right there. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I ain't got an answer. Wait a minute. That's a, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it ain't a hard one. It's just a, one of them good ones like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. You know something? I guess my book. I guess it's okay. my book. Because mm-hmm. I want people to read the story and get my testimony. Because okay. the testimony is how me, all my life, I wasn't looking for God, but he came and got me in 2012. And I wasn't even looking for him. And at the time, I was homeless wow. for three and a half years. <laughs> so I want people to read the testimony. Even though I got all the about the group, about the records, about all this in there, but it's just my testimony. That's my message to the world is that. I'm not trying to – I didn't make a book for money or nothing. I made it for the testimony, to pass it around, to show how good God is when we're not even thinking about him. And I wasn't even looking for him because I didn't know nothing about him until he came and got me. Wow. With that being said, everybody, just recognize that the Most High is the author of all things. And when we live our lives, we're following a path that creates a narrative. And that narrative will lead to a story which is going to be detailed and translated as the best story ever written because the book of life is your story and you write the pages and make the chapters and the words for everything people are going to experience when they recount the memories of who you were as a person in life. So make sure you do what it takes to make a good story, a great narrative, and give people the time to appreciate you for your deeds. Make sure your deeds count. And make sure as you count them, you count your blessings as well. This is Karev of Heritage Hip Hop with DJ Yella of NWA. And we say peace and we out. Once again, this is Karev of Heritage Hip Hop. And I hope that you enjoyed this presentation of the Heritage Hip Hop podcast featuring DJ Yella of the world famous, the world's most dangerous hip hop group ever, NWA. I'd like to give a shout out to MJ's Hip Hop Connects and the Heat DJs for this opportunity to talk to a legend and a pioneer of hip hop, period. East Coast, West Coast, worldwide. Make sure you follow DJ Yella at djyellaofnwa.com on all social media and check out his book. I got my copy of the book and I'm going to keep my word and read it and put a review of it on the website. Our website is heritagehiphop.com. That's our digital real estate. We have two brand new playlists out for National Hip Hop Month this November, which is the Art of Story Rhymes Part 1, celebrating storytellers in hip hop, and Heritage Hip Hop Playlist Number 9, which gives you some of the known and unknown artists in hip hop today that are making some of the best music out because we have the best playlists in the game. I challenge everybody on their playlist with the Heritage Hip Hop playlist, which is available on HeritageHipHop.com, and they are exclusive to own for the members of the play of the website. So make sure you become members of the 
website. If you follow us on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button, the click the notification bell so you can get be told when all the new videos come out. Make sure that you stream and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, Anchor FM, and Apple Podcasts. And please give us a five-star review. All podcast interviews are available on those platforms and especially on HeritageHipHop.com. You can go to HeritageHipHop.com for members-exclusive merch and many more things. I'd like to give a shout-out to everybody who follows Heritage Hip Hop. First, give a blessing to the Most High for helping me make the platform. And i also like to give a shout-out to the people who make this platform possible, which is you, everybody who follows. Shout-out to the Heat DJs, the Fleet DJs, and all our supporters everywhere. Thank you. And stay tuned to Heritage Hip Hop. I'm on the track to episode 150. And we're going to go big for 150. And if I get the guess that... I want you're gonna see me really give flowers where flowers are, are to be given. So with that being said, this is Karev of Heritage Hip Hop saying thank you. Make sure you subscribe and follow, and be sure to share and let everybody know that Heritage Hip Hop is the 30 for 30 for independent artists. But we are more than music. We are God's heritage, and this heritage is hip hop. And with that being said, we say peace, and we out. <laughs>